0: I'm David Manilow, and welcome to The Dining Table. On the table today, do you think you could combine fine dining with barbecue? Well, the owners of Soul & Smoke have done just that. Kind of. I'll talk to them about their history of avant-garde cooking, how they've provided hundreds of thousands of community meals for those in need, and why this spring they're going all in and elevating and expanding their barbecue space at their Evanston location.
1: I think I think the community lifts us up and, you know, they're what supports us day in, day out. I mean, we were a caterer that should not have been able to survive the pandemic. And everyone was like behind us. It was it was such a whole vibe during that whole time. Um, And, you know, we're chefs like that's what we do. We feed people.
0: That's all coming up next on The Dining Table. Joining me now are chefs Heather Bublick and DeAndre Carter, partners in life and at Soul & Smoke uh, with a mothership in Evanston and and several other locations. Welcome.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. So you're both from Chicago. I would say, uh, Chef DeAndre, you're from the south side. Heather, you're from the north side. (laughs) And you met at Moto, which was kind of like almost experimental gastronomic crazy restaurant in Fulton Market with the late Omar Cantu. Tell me what that experience was like.
2: For me, um, it was was real cool. I can remember being in culinary school at Le Cordon Bleu back in 2006, 2007, just seeing like those YouTube videos of that progressive modern cuisine. And, you know, just seeing that stuff kind of just like drew me in before I even got there. Um, But once I got there, you know, it was all good. It was definitely a learning curve from, from culinary school, but I feel like I was among some of the best chefs in Chicago at the time. And, you know, and we did our best every day.
0: Yeah. And Heather, they were doing some wild stuff. I still remember that. What was it? The alphabet soup or whatever it was where you would get a menu and then you just crumple it up and become part of the soup.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was no one like Omar and the techniques he was doing and, you know, he was always trying to think outside the box and doing something as unique as possible, he didn't want to be like any other chef in the world, and he really strove for that day in day out.
0: What did that teach you? I mean, when, when you were kind of going into your own thing.
1: I mean, when we first started doing our own thing, we had that mentality where anything was possible. Someone would ask us to do a wedding, and you know, it was just the two of us out of our apartment, and we would say yes and figure out how to make it happen. There was no saying no. It was we can make anything happen.
2: Yeah, just just having that moto experience just made you believe you can do anything because um, just being with that crew, like, I feel it was not an option at moto. You know, you had to figure it out. And I, after our moto time, that kind of just like stayed with us, you know, it was not an option by any, by any means necessary. Let's get this job done. And,
0: and and tell me how that happened. You go from fine dining, which is not fine dining, but like, there was experimental and experiential going to that place. And memorable as hell. How do you then go from there to say we're doing gumbo, we're doing pulled pork, we're doing some you know decadent mac and cheese? How does that happen?
2: Well, it was a, it was something in between there too. You know, we had our first com- catering company called uh, Feast and Bob, which was a progressive catering company that we felt like Chicago really needed. And we was doing great. You know, we was getting on all the lists in Chicago. Uh, we was doing like private dinners for people. Uh, we was really doing like some really nice elevated. Dining experiences until like the pandemic happened. That's when we went full fledged, sold and smoke. But pretty much after I left Moto, uh, man, I had to, we instantly started doing like, these underground dinners under the name Feasting and Vibe, and you know it got really popular. You know we was getting some pub off of it. It was you know it was three nights a week. They was all sold out. You know every week. And then like different corporations started asking us to do that food for them. And then we was letting them know that, you know, the food that we was doing for Feast in the bar had to be assembled. You had to have a chef there. So they pretty much just wanted the food. And I was like, you if you just want the food, you know, I can do like some mac and cheese, some pulled pork, some barbecue chicken, some salads. That was the birth of soul and smoke, you know, just corporate catering.
0: What makes great barbecue?
1: There's so much that goes into barbecue. You know, over the years, I feel like I've learned so much that I didn't even know but it's time it's care it's love. And then, you know, the sauce and the rub and the meat and all that, but it's really like the food of passion. Like you have to be obsessed.
0: Right. Barbecue way back in the day, way, way back in the day, it was kind of like, you know, probably lesser cuts of meat and things like that, but you kind of elevated it. And I think that's partly due to your fine dining background, but chef Carter, what makes yours special?
2: Uh, the details, the details that we put into our food, you know, from choosing the meat, you know, to trimming the meat, to the uh, balance of spice that uh, a spice rub that goes on the product, to the wood that we choose for the smoker, to the smoker, to the meat moisturizer, to the wrapping process, uh, all the details matter when it comes to great barbecue.
0: And you got a big operation. I mean, when I was at your Evanston place, and I know it's growing and you're going fully committed to Evanston with what's happening coming up. Um, but man, I mean, I, I don't know that much about barbecue. I feel, you know, sometimes it's just a guy in the back putting some wood, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> honey one. I think you've probably been there on the, you know, yeah. the West side and South side. Is there a Chicago barbecue style?
2: Uh, well, Chicago, we more known for our cuts, you know, we more known for like the rib tips and the hot links, Versus a, a style, you know, um, we do like our meat sauced up. Unfortunately, we don't sauce our our meat, says, so it's what we like to get accustomed to options. But me, me growing up on the South side, you know, I can remember like having like rib tips and a hot link combo, you know, I go get some grilled chicken with, you know, smothered with barbecue sauce and fries, you know, it was never like a style, you know, it wasn't never until like primal cuts. I don't remember growing up, you know, going somewhere to get a brisket sandwich or a pulled pork sandwich you know, on the far south side that I you know, in my neighborhood. For me it came like later and it came part of the, the barbecue expectations when somebody wanna to come to a, a really well known barbecue place.
0: But but you guys offer a variety of um sauces. There's like a typical Chicago sauce, right? That you have to have. What's that?
2: Well, you know, growing up on the South Side, you know, Kansas City Style barbecue sauce was was the barbecue sauce. It, I didn't know anything about no like no tangy or no gold or you know no Alabama white sauce or nothing like that. Um it was sweet, tangy. That was barbecue sauce. You know, as I got more into my professional cooking career and started, you know, looking up on other restaurants and other chefs, you know, um that's when I started discovering, oh, you know, it is a um all a, a mustard-based sauce, which is a gold sauce, which is uh more a tangier sauce, you know, it's a vinegar-based sauce. Uh, same with, you know, with the Alabama white sauce, you know, it's a mayo-based sauce with, you know, with some vinegar that goes along with, with poultry. So, you know, as Sloan and smaller, like I said, we want to meet those barbecue expectations. And with my chef back, background, I kind of like uplifted all those different styles of sauces, like our um, like our gold sauce. You know, we got like, it's our mustard-based gold sauce, but we got like ginger up in there. And our, t- our tanky sauce got like pineapple and jalapeno, you know, then we got our jerk sauce. Uh, and then we got our, you know, we got our original barbecue sauce, which is top selling local barbecue sauce at all, you know, all the Mariano's. Um, uh, I spent a quite, quite a bit of time on perfecting that as well. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just about expectations and how can you ep- uplift the expectation of a human, um, on what they eat. That's pretty much my style.
0: Well, it's tasty and memorable. I'll say that. I, I'm for it. So, okay. So now you guys are kind of, you're, you're chefs. You have a fine dining background. You have a barbecue soul background. But you're entrepreneurs, so Heather, who's the decision maker? When you guys expand, when you go into Soldier Field with the Bears, when you do the Mariano's, food trucks, et cetera, who, who's making those decisions? I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot.
1: No, it's very democratic. We always vote. Um, There's so- only two
0: of you. <laughs>
1: we have some employees that we let have, you know, opinion. Ah, okay. Um, okay. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we definitely have veto powers, but, um, you know, we try and... Make sure that it's the right move, and that we're discussing things to death. Um, but you know, hopefully, we get it right.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure my wife uh, listens to this podcast, and so she can understand. <laughs> how some people make their decisions. I'm comfortable with it. I'm cool. I'm cool. I, I was reading some of the numbers as far as what you guys have done philanthropic and with World Central Kitchen and during the pandemic. Heather, Tens and hundreds of thousands of meals, or am I? Yeah, there. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we completely changed our business when the pandemic happened. Um, you know, we were a caterer at the end of the day, and events were gone. There wasn't even like a hope for takeout. No one was ordering, you know, trays of anything. So we really pivoted very quickly. Um, we had a huge catering kitchen. The Evanston schools were shutting down, and people were trying to figure out how they were going to feed the kids in Evanston. So we instantly were like, we can do that. We have, you know, the capacity. We had the staff. Um, the Evanston Community Foundation quickly stepped up and provided um, funding for 300 meals a day. Um, so that started very quickly, and then we were on the phone with the Trotter Project, and it was how do we get World Central Kitchen out here? You know, there's so many more people that need more meals. And within 20 minutes, I was on the phone with World Central Kitchen, and we were sending meals out that next Monday. Um, so in total, we ended up doing like two hundred and fifty thousand meals over the course of almost a year and a half. Um, it was it was day in, day out. I mean, we came in, we made meals, we packaged. It was a whole operation.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how you know philanthropic the Chicago chef community is. You know, you guys clearly. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, and, and do you find it's also a great place kind of to be in the. Uh, An entrepreneur in the hospitality and food business, is there something special about Chicago and Evanston and surrounding areas that that allow you to thrive?
1: I think, I think the community lifts us up and you know, they're what supports us day in, day out. I mean, we were a caterer that should not have been able to survive the pandemic and everyone was like behind us. It was,
0: Hmm.
1: it was so, it was such a whole vibe during that whole time. Um, and, you know, we're chefs, like that's what we do. We feed people.
0: Great. That's great. So you guys, speaking of Evanston and schools and entrepreneurs and chefs and restaurants, you're making a big commitment to Evanston. So tell me about the next phase in Soul <laughs> & Smoke.
1: Yeah, so um, three weeks before the pandemic, we purchased our building. Um, we had a small event space in um, the, the front, and we were hoping to eventually make it bigger. Um, and now we're making it into a restaurant and it's a hundred year old building it's a former bus depot um, we didn't have you know even floors we didn't have HVAC in half the building um, so we have been undergoing a huge project we're in the historic fifth ward in Evanston which is historically uh, have been redlined and suffered from disinvestment um, but the neighborhood is getting a new school and we just got a skate park that opened a couple weeks ago and we're really excited to be part of the change for the neighborhood. And we're excited about it. We could have moved into any second generation restaurant space, but we're committed to showing that success can happen anywhere and, and staying right there. Um Evans did come through with um, TIF funding for us. So they've been able to cover um, a good chunk of the project, but it's an expensive project, that's for sure.
0: Well, I was lucky enough to have Chef Carter uh, kind of walk me through it's, yeah. It, and, and you guys can visualize it, which is fantastic. It's a, it's a big space, a lot, a, lot, a lot of rubble right now. When when uh, are you anticipating opening?
1: Um, we're looking at realistically June. We have to uh, replace our water main and we can't drill into the street until April. So June is is reality right now. Um, but we did get floors, so the rubble's gone.
0: Ah, I'll have to go back. Well, I like how you say realistically, June. Edmonton might be a little bit different, but Chicago certainly. I think they always underestimate uh, opening dates, so I think that's good. And you're gonna have outside seating too, right, uh, Chef Carter? Yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah, we look at about what 60 seats outside.
1: Yeah, something like that. The building's huge. It's um, the whole building is like 10,000 square feet, so it's an entire block. Um, So we do have, you know, the entire. Um, like front of uh, the building that we have seating available for. Well,
0: that's an exciting opening because Evanston, you know, it's a great restaurants. I don't think there's been anything new, you know, in the last few years that's really uh, will get people excited about. It. So I think this will. Okay. Last question. So I ask everybody this, uh, I'll um, like what, What's your like favorite restaurant to go to? And if I didn't know your background, I'd be surprised. But I do know your background, and you said uh, <laughs> Boca.
2: Yeah, Boca.
0: Celebrating its twentieth year. Yep. Amazing. Their first restaurant in the Boca, you know, Empire. Yeah. You know, it stands for Kevin Bame B O Rob Katz K A. I, I, I asked if they had ever considered Cabo, but they said, you know, <laughs> why, why? Why are you hassling us? Um, so tell us what you love about that place.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Chef Lee, I feel like he's always been an amazing chef. Ever since he came back from New York, I always feel that his food is, you know, is always presented well and is always approachable um, to add with the the staff. The service is always good. The ambiance is always good. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just a great dining experience from the food, you know, to the drink selection, to, you know, the hospitality from the staff, to the space itself. Um, it's always a great experience. Like every time we go there, we've been celebrating at, at, at Boca for like, ever since this all started, like every time we had a celebration, we was pretty much going up, going to Boca to celebrate.
0: It's a great spot. And you know, I did on a recent podcast, I did like great dining streets. I mean, Boca is next to a basically on Halsted and Lincoln park. I mean, you, you forget like yeah. these, these places they're just so phenomenal. Did you take the kids to Boca?
1: We definitely have. Um, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lee has two kids. Um, He's also a former um, Moto alum.
0: Lee Wolden Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: The hospitality there is next to none. They're always great with the kids. You know, no problems. And our kids eat everything. So it's always a good time.
2: Yeah, I even took like my uncle and my mom there before, you know, it's like, you know, Heather and I, we, we in the industry. So, you know, we more adventurous eaters, you know, our parents, you know, they're pretty straightforward and they, and they love Boga too. So it's like a mix of whoever you want to bring there. You can bring somebody that's, you know, really adventurous or you can bring somebody that's really approachable and, and they end up liking the food, you know, it's just something about the way that Lee puts it together.
0: Right. Well, Lee Wilson, I think he was first known, at least when I knew him for his amazing chicken. And then, you know, right. And then, and I don't even, I assume he has something like that on the menu, but uh, yeah, 20 years. It's pretty amazing. I mean, that's uh, Giuseppe Gentori, long history of Kevin and Rob and, you know, I'm sure many more years to come. Anyway, Chef Heather, Chef Giandre, it was so great talking to you. Good luck with the Evanston restaurant come this summer. You know, the expansion, I told Jeff Carter the, uh, the gumbo was, you know, unparalleled as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> and the mac and cheese, which I never order, but he brought some out, was like so decadent and good. It makes me reconsider what I've been thinking about not ordering mac and cheese, but maybe
2: only at your place. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. We try our best to, you know, satisfy all, all the palates, you know, with the comfort and the barbecue aspect of the soap and smoke. Thanks so much. And I'll see you soon.
1: Thank you. All
2: right. Thanks. Thanks, David
0: that's our show this week i'd like to thank my guests chef owners heather Bublik and deandre carter from soul and smoke also thanks to evanston's own producer todd manley who's looking forward to soul and smoke 2.0 opening in the spring you can hit me up on social media at check please dave or eat drink dave or you can just hang around with me at the dining table again next week i hope to see you then